rendering clouds and water an excerpt from sketching and rendering in pencil by arthur l guptill nineteen twenty two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org now let us turn to a brief consideration of the representation of water and suppose we liken it in appearance for a moment to window glass we have mentioned in a former chapter the complicated effect of glass but if that offers difficulties to the student so indeed does water in fact the latter is even harder to draw well for whereas the former has the two important characteristics of transparency and power to reflect images of objects water not only has these but adds to them a new peculiarity in that its surface is constantly changing in form being smooth one moment rippled the next and disturbed a little later perhaps into large waves smooth water often gives as perfect a reflection as does a mirror yet under slightly altered conditions the images are distorted or destroyed or the surface becomes like a transparent pane of glass the bed or bottom below being plainly visible again such water sometimes seems opaque and lifeless the surface alone being visible such appearances and changes are due in part to three conditions first the depth color and purity of the water second the point from which it is viewed and lastly the angle at which the rays of light reach its surface deep pure water for instance is usually if still an almost perfect mirror especially if we look along it rather than straight from above but in a shallow or muddy stream or pool the reflected images are often merged or blended with the tone of the water itself and with that of the bottom showing through distorted by refraction if we look directly down upon water it seems far more transparent as a rule than when viewed in a more nearly horizontal direction and this is true whether it is smooth or rather rough it is true too that when the light rays reach the surface at some angles reflections which otherwise exist wholly or partially disappear and the effect of transparency is lost also the surface becoming apparently opaque this refers to calm water let the slightest breeze ruffle the surface and the complications are still greater and each change in the force or direction of the wind causes a still different effect these things all show the impossibility of giving definite rules as to how water should be rendered and make it plain that only personal observation and practice will bring any real proficiency in its treatment there are however a few suggestions that may be of help to the student one of which is that the greatest care must be exercised to have the lines bounding any body of water correctly drawn for unless this is done distortion may appear the water seeming to slope or bend in an unnatural manner 
it may be well to point out that in a large lake or sea where the further shore is invisible because of distance the horizon line for the water will coincide with the eye level for any visible buildings occasionally however this line is faked up or down a bit if a better composition can be obtained thereby in smaller bodies the distant shorelines unless viewed from a very high point also appear practically horizontal once the outline is correct it is well to block in whatever definite reflections there may be drawing them with the greatest care if the water is smooth the reflection of an object will appear very much as the object itself would if suspended in an inverted position if the water is rough the reflection will be more or less elongated and distorted for the waves will act like a series of convex and concave mirrors the amount of elongation depending on the size and shape of the waves this is illustrated at number one figure forty five where at a the reflection practically duplicates the object while at b the waves in the foreground show bits of reflection thus elongating the whole image such images are often slightly darker than the object reflected though the reverse is sometimes true and they are usually quite definite near the object and more and more broken and interrupted by contrasting values as the distance from the object increases another very important point is that in representing a large body of water account should be taken of the fact that nearby waves appear larger than those in the distance consequently larger pencil strokes are often employed in their indication remember too that the distant shore is usually rather indistinct therefore it should be shown so with all details subordinated the general tone of water often depends on its reflective power if a sky is light for instance the water will be quite light also as a rule especially if smooth and vice versa though there are many exceptions to this so great is the variety in the effect of water that every sort of line is needed for its indication vertical strokes are often satisfactory when it is smooth whereas those of a generally horizontal direction are sometimes better when it shows ripples or waves the sketches in figure forty five offer a number of suggestions for water using different strokes perhaps the only one of these needing special comment is that at b sketch four showing the wet streets this has been presented because delineators of architectural subjects sometimes show wet streets and sidewalks in their renderings mainly for the purpose of introducing a little interest and preventing a hackneyed result and such sketches as this offer suggestions for that kind of work on wet sidewalks and streets as well as where water is of greater depth it is usually well to combine with the lines suggesting reflection others generally opposite in direction indicating the surface itself before leaving this subject it may be well to mention that shadows are often cast upon water by various objects 
the dark tone having a tendency to cause the water to appear still darker this is simply another of the many complications that make a thorough study of the whole matter essential now let us give a few moments thought to the indication of skies and clouds which are perhaps as easy to handle in pencil as any of the accessories a few suggestions on essential points should prove sufficient for it is by no means necessary to attempt more than a simple sky treatment in the average architectural drawing it is in fact often possible to allow the white of the paper to remain untouched or to cover it with a uniform tone of gray or to grade it in the simplest manner from dark above to light at the horizon the value selected usually depends on the tone of the building illustrated when it is dark in color or has a dark roof the sky is left light but if light it is sometimes shown against a dark sky in order to secure a satisfying contrast as in sketch five figure forty six these simple treatments are especially appropriate in renderings of formal buildings where many clouds might prove distracting picturesque buildings permit greater freedom for the accessories should have a character similar to that of the building but even these informal structures may be left with white paper for the sky if there is foliage and the like to add interest to the whole it is perhaps in the representation of very plain buildings with a rather monotonous setting that clouds serve the best purpose for even though restrictions prevent the use of trees or other accessories there is seldom an exterior drawing in which clouds cannot be employed if one wishes and nature gives us so many kinds and arranges them in so many ways that there is always opportunity for an appropriate selection a building of awkward proportion or displeasing contour can be so disguised by skillful sky treatment as to take on a far different aspect and perspective distortion can likewise be hidden in many cases or made less conspicuous while shadows cast by clouds can also be used to great advantage thrown across a monotonous roof or wall surface or upon the ground clouds like other accessories should never be made too prominent however some students draw the masses so round that the curves fail to harmonize with the straight lines of the architecture while others form such woolly strokes or such rough textures that no sense of distance is obtained the clouds seeming nearer perhaps than the architecture itself each line and tone should quietly take its place so unless a drawing is large or done with a very bold vigorous technique rather light but firm strokes should seem best using a medium or hard pencil and striving for a silvery gray line for smoothness suggests distance again as skies seem softer in effect and the individual clouds smaller in size and less definite as they recede towards the horizon it is best as a rule to have the boldest strokes and the largest and most definite masses near the zenith storm clouds especially those showing strongly contrasting forms and values are seldom desirable in architectural work and sunrise or sunset effects detract 
unless skillfully handled from the architecture itself in the actual representation of clouds two methods are common one being the simple indication of the forms by outline alone the other a naturalistic rendering of the full tone as the former obviously requires less time it is often the more desirable one though the choice really depends on what seems demanded by the remainder of the drawing avoid too mechanical an outline in any case but work instead for a suggestion of the variety of mass and edge found in nature giving special care to the suggestion of modeling remembering that clouds are not the flat disks that students sometimes represent them to be figure forty six shows a number of sketches from nature such as the student should make for purposes of study and several others showing sky treatments applied to architectural subjects we should perhaps remind the reader before going on that clouds are possibly the one thing in nature least affected in appearance by man for though he may destroy forests and alter shorelines they continue to go their own way uninterrupted end of rendering clouds and water an excerpt from sketching and rendering in pencil by arthur l gooptill 1922 read for librivox by sue anderson